All right, uh, we are getting back into our study uh, in the life of Christ. Uh, we have taken, I guess, a couple of weeks off since our last time doing this because of the gospel meeting and uh, shifting around some of our classes on Sunday morning. So again, we're just going to fi- finish out the Life of Christ series on Wednesday evenings. We're in lesson 117 tonight. So again, we're getting closer and closer to the end. And so just kind of recap where we were, uh, because again, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, The last lesson, we looked at the death of Judas. Uh, We we had just gone through all the trials of Jesus, uh, the Jewish trials, uh, where he goes before Annas and Caiaphas, and then he goes through the Roman trials, uh, going to Pilate, and then Pilate sends him off to Herod, and Herod sends him back to Pilate, and, and of course, Pilate finds him not guilty, but because of the insistence of the Jews... Uh, Jesus is uh, sentenced to uh, crucifixion, uh, but then we kind of took a, a little bit of a side uh, step to notice, you know, what's going on in the life of Judas at that time, and uh, Matthew's account lets us know that he uh, goes back to the, the chief priests and, and the scribes and those who he had uh, bargained to, uh, to uh, betray Jesus. Uh, he, we're actually told that when he saw Jesus being condemned, that he had a change of heart, right? And so he goes to the chief priests, he gives them back the money uh, that he was given. Uh, it, it almost looked as if Judas was um, looking for help, remember? Uh, he's, uh, but they say to him, you know, what's that to us? Uh, you betrayed him. And so Judas, again, he gives them back the money, and we're told that he goes and hangs himself. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what the Bible had to say uh, about suicide, and so it was, you know, it was a little bit of a tougher, heavier class uh, that we uh, looked at. And so today, we're going to continue on uh, in the life of Christ, uh, moving on as Jesus has been, again, condemned to be crucified, and we're going to look at a couple of events here uh, as we move closer to the cross. Uh, we'll be in Luke 23 tonight, we're starting out in Luke 23, verses 26 through 33, and we'll also... Uh, I believe, look at what John has to say as well. But we'll start in Luke. But let me ask you this. Uh, when you think of the cross, I mean, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the cross? Okay. So is it a negative thing or is it a positive thing? Okay, so some people are saying negative. You think of uh, the crucifixion. You think of Jesus being nailed to the cross. Uh, you think of the cross being this instrument of death. Does anyone think of sort of the positive aspect of the cross? Okay, yeah. So, so maybe some people look at the cross and they see right uh, our means to salvation, right? That Jesus was nailed to the cross. Um, Paul talks about how because of that, we can now Jew and Gentile are now reconciled uh, to uh, through Jesus, and so there's some positive positive aspects of the cross as well, and we'll talk more about the, the aspect of the cross tonight. If you think about our society and then other societies, um, especially European, both Eastern and Western Europe, the cross is something that's um, worn as jewelry and necklaces or bracelets or you even see shirts you see it as an emblem for like a logo for a church. Uh, when I see the cross, it 
it's a reminder of what Jesus accomplished, not an instrument of death, but what he accomplished. It's a reminder of that. Otherwise, and I think it is to a lot of people, otherwise I don't think you would see jewelry, right. you know, with the cross or yeah. t-shirts or churches with his and one more. Yeah. Yeah. There's a wide range of, uh, you know, uh, again, of what we think about when it comes to the cross. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit more here. But, you know, everything that we've studied, right, everything we've studied for the past 116 lessons, you know, is culminating to this moment, right, that Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's being handed over. Of course, there's preparations to be made. Right? There's going to be guards assigned to this. You know, we're going to learn later on about this centurion who's here. And, of course, the centurion uh, you know, is one of those commanders of 100 men. Uh, he's a well-respected individual, and we'll talk about him later. But he's going to be assigned to this, um, this execution. You know, instructions are being given. A sign. A sign is going to be made. And we'll touch on that here at the end of the class. But... Um, we're going to notice here that the time period uh, is going to be around 9 a.m., the third hour of the day, uh, that all of this is going to take place. And so we're going to notice, again, let's notice as we move on closer to Calvary, to Golgotha. And uh, let's, let's begin in Luke 23, starting in verse 26. It says, When they led him away, they seized the man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things, then the tree is green. What will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Okay, so the first thing we want to notice is this procession. Uh, this procession. And so... Uh, again, the centurion is probably the one in charge here, uh, leading Jesus away to uh, this, this place, uh, this uh, Golgotha, uh, Calvary, uh, the, the, the place of the skull. And along with Jesus, who do we notice is also going along that are also condemned? Two thieves. Okay, yeah, two, two thieves. Uh, one of them we're going to talk a lot about uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, the thief on the cross, right? He's somebody that we often uh, will hear lessons on because of uh, his, uh, his conversion. Uh, but uh, notice uh, my translation mentions that uh, in verse 32 that uh, these two were criminals, right? And so when we use that word thief, it's, it's a little bit of a softer word, right? A, a thief might be somebody who... Uh, you know, sneaks in in the middle of the night and takes something uh, from your home and, and goes away, right? But this, this word means more of 
you know, they're a hardened criminal, they're a robber, you know, there's somebody that wouldn't uh, mind, you know, pointing the gun at you and robbing you face to face, right? That's who we're talking about here. That's the kind of individuals that Jesus is being, um, you know, led to uh, his execution along with. And so we've got these two uh, thieves, two criminals. Uh, we're also told there's a large crowd of people with him, right? Uh, you know, just imagine in your minds as they're walking. Uh, I, was, I was reading that the, the place where this would have happened to where Golgotha was was, you know, maybe a little bit of a half a mile in distance. So think of this great crowd just traveling uh, with Jesus as they get closer and closer. Uh, we notice that the crowd also included a lot of women who were weeping, mourning because of this. And then we notice that there's a, a man, right? The uh, three out of the four gospel accounts mention. Uh, and what's the name of this man who gets pressed into service? Yeah, Simon of Cyrene. Oh, Simon of Cyrene. Um, remember, Jesus has just been scourged, right? He's just gone through a, um, a big punishment uh, that handed down to him by Pilate. You know, he's beaten, he, he's bloodied, uh, he's in no condition to uh, carry this, uh, this cross. Uh, this, again, maybe it's a half a mile to a mile in distance. John tells us in his account that, you know, Jesus is taking the burden of this cross. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that at some point, uh, this man by the name of Simon of Cyrene is pressed into service, right? That he is uh, given the, the, uh, uh, the task of carrying Jesus' cross with him. And uh, again, remember, Jesus is in no condition to carry this. Uh, he hasn't he slept the prior night. Uh, he's going through all of this uh, emotional uh, things as well. Just kind of a guess according to the curriculum, but how much do you think a cross weighed? Let's say, first, first of all, if you're thinking of a cross sort of like this, uh, in, in, in its full capacity, the, the, the vertical beam and the cross beam, you know, what, what kind of weight do you think that would have been? A lot, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it mentions that it was around 300 pounds, right? So, um, you know, some people think that that's what was being uh, uh, drugged from or that's what Simon was carrying, was, you know, something completed like this. But more likely what was being um, uh, carried was simply the crossbar, right? And so they mentioned the crossbar would have been about 75 to 125 pounds. So again, that's still something pretty heavy, right, that he's carrying uh, this great distance. And uh, we'll, we'll mention again here in a moment, you know, why we believe that's the case, but... Again, the point is, Jesus was unable to carry this cross uh, to uh, his execution site. Um, you know, Jesus, again, that, this points to his humanity, right? That, uh, that uh, you know, that he was uh, subject to human weakness uh, just like us uh, while he was in the flesh. And so the, the soldiers, they find this replacement, right? Again, Simon of Cyrene, uh, do you think... Was Simon a volunteer to do this? No, Yeah, they, as one of the Bible writers says, they pressed him into service, right? And that's, you know, if we recall back on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, do you remember when, you know, Jesus says, if someone forces you to go a mile, go with him too, 
Well, that's sort of pointing back to this idea that, you know, if you were, um, you know, living during that time and a Roman soldier uh, was carrying his load, you know, he had the authority to stop you and say, you know, carry my backpack, carry my equipment a mile, and you were forced to do that, right? And so Jesus, when he was teaching on the Sermon Mount uh, about, you know, how Christianity is different, you know, he was saying, you know, take it a second mile, right? Impress that Roman soldier. Uh, uh, and so, you know, that's what's going on here, right? The, this Roman soldier, uh, he knows that Jesus isn't going to make it uh, carrying that cross, so he fi- finds this man, Simon, who just happened to be uh, passing by, uh, requires him to carry this, uh, this cross for Jesus. Uh, Mark's account tells us uh, that he is the father of Alexander and Rufus, uh, this man Simon, and so that's just interesting, a tidbit, because, you know, why would Mark include that? Well, uh, maybe Mark's writing to people who knew uh, Alexander and Rufus, and so, um, again, we don't know much about this man Simon other than where he is from. Um, now, Cyrene, uh, if, we, if we had a map up here, I could show you that it's uh, west of Egypt, right, so it's on the continent of Africa, uh, so it's not, it's not right in the vicinity of Israel, right? It's not in the vicinity of Jerusalem. And so this man has come a distance to Israel, uh, possibly to uh, worship or what, whatever the reason is, he's there and he just happened to be passing by and he got pressed in for service. And again, we're not told about Simon if, you know, if he was a follower of Christ, if he just happened to be there. Uh, was he happy about this? Was he upset about this? We just... We just don't know. Um, just think, think about that for a second. Uh, what would it be like if you were traveling? You know, let's just say you're traveling through Atlanta, Georgia, and before you could get to the other side, you're pulled over by the authorities, and they say, you know, for the next hour, you're going to be uh, directing traffic. Right? You've got to do a little bit of public uh, service. You know, how are you going to feel about that? <laughs> Yeah, you're probably not going to be too excited about that, right? But again, that's the time and place that they're living in. And, uh, and so this man gets pressed into service. And this is such a great sermon, right? Uh, you know, studying this man, uh, Simon of Cyrene. Uh, you know, we could ask the question, you know, what have we done for Jesus lately? Right? Or, or do we feel like we get pressed into service? Or, uh, you know, are we willingly... Uh, doing things for Jesus. And so, you know, that's, that's a sermon for another time. But um, I love this quote that I read today, that too many want to wear the crown, but not bear the cross. Right? Too, too many want to wear the crown, but not bear the cross. And that's something that we've been uh, told to do, right? That we have to uh, bear the cross of Jesus as well. And so we don't know, you know, the exact path again, that Jesus and this crowd of people take. But um, uh, we do know that, again, there are the women there. They're weeping on the way. Um, you know, let's just, again, touch on verses 28 through 31 real quick because uh, this might be difficult. Uh, but, it, you know, again, it says, But Jesus turning to them, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren. And the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed, uh, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? 
And, you know, Jesus is here. He's using uh, what we studied a couple months ago, uh, you know, apocalyptic li literature, language. You know, he, he's speaking in Old Testament code uh, about uh, the eventual destruction of Jerusalem, right? And, uh, and he says, uh, you know, if, if the Romans are going to do these things to this green tree, meaning himself, then what's going to happen when, um, when he says there that when it's dry, right? Uh, when, when, when things are at its spiritual uh, highest, because Jesus is there with them, uh, and the Romans are going to persecute him, you know, what's going to happen when, uh, when he's gone? What's going to happen uh, when it's spiritually dry, when, when uh, the people are going to rebel against Rome? And again, so he, he's just touching there, again, on that reference of what's going to happen in the year AD 70, when Jerusalem's going to be uh, destroyed. So uh, they arrive to this, this place, Again, uh, it's known as the place of the skull. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, because obviously it's a place of where executions take place. Uh, but it's also, if I had a picture of it, I should have uh, got the projector out and showed you a picture of it. But it, it almost looks like a skull. Right? There's, there's these two big holes in the side of this, uh, this hill that almost looks like a sunken skull's head. And so... You know, that's probably why they ended up calling that the, 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 the place of the skull. But again, uh, we, we learned that in Hebrew, the, this place was called Golgotha. Uh, in Latin, it was known as Calvary. You know, we probably refer to it as Cal Calvary more than any other place. Uh, and, and we know a little bit about this location, right? That it was near the city of Jerusalem, but it was outside the gates. And we also know that it must have been beside a well-traveled uh, road because when Jesus is going to be hung up there, there's going to be people passing by constantly. Um, you know, uh, the Bible says wagging their, wagging their heads at him and, and saying other things. So um, let's, I told you earlier we're going to look at John, but I, what I meant was Mark. So let's turn to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15 starting in verse 23. And we're going to notice the, the beginning of the crucifixion. So Mark 15, starting in verse 23. says, They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. Uh, they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it uh, in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Okay, so they've reached, they've reached Calvary, right? They've, they've gotten here uh, where, again, the crucifixion is going to take place. And uh, we noticed uh, a couple of things that, that's going to happen. Uh, you know, again, again the, the cross, you know, represents something of shame, doesn't it? And one of those things was, you know, when you were upon the cross, uh, were you fully clothed? 
No, they, they stripped you of, the clo- of your clothes, right? Uh, because, again, this is, this is a shameful thing. And, you know, if you ever see, you know, artwork or whatever depicting the scenes of this, they usually have Jesus uh, clothed, at least from, you know, the, the waist down. But that, of course, is, you know, not a realistic picture of what's uh, going on here because he's going to be stripped completely of his clothes. Um, he's offered here a, a numbing drink. Right, sour wine mixed with a uh, with myrrh, which could have been a mild narcotic. Um, you know, I read a couple of different uh, um, theories here as to, you know, maybe this is just sort of a way to, um, you know, a sort of a numbing medication for him. But uh, some others said, well, maybe this is more of a stimulant to uh, keep him alive and awake during this, and just to bring more suffering to him. But whatever the case is, did he accept this drink? No, he, he denied it, right? And so uh, he, he doesn't take it, and they crucify two robbers with him, we read. So crucifixion. Uh, it's often said that uh, the Persians invented it, but it was perfected by the Romans, Right, uh, the Romans. Uh, this again. This is the time period when Jesus is living. Is you know this is the means that they practiced uh, execution by crucifixion. Um, you know this is. You know if you had to put a, a movie label to it, I guess you know this is rated R. Right. This is pretty graphic. Pretty uh, depictive. Um, there was a movie that came out a while ago called The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. I, I personally never seen it, but maybe you have. Um, but I've been told that it's a very graphic movie uh, portraying you know, just what Jesus went through. And I, again, I think that movie might be 20 years old by now. But um, as, uh, you know, as mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes when we think of the cross, we think of um, you know, a cute necklace that we might wear or something like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was sort of our modern day, you know, electric chair. Again, a, a, an instrument uh, of death. And again, what was the point of crucifixion? I mean, why not just, uh, you know, uh, with some individuals back then, you know, just uh, execute them quickly uh, with a sword? But why crucifixion? The humiliation aspect? Slow death. A slow death. Yes. That's another big point of it. Public. Yeah. It's serving as an example to everyone who walks by. Right? This is what's going to happen to you if you do, you know, what uh, these people did. Right? Um, All of those things. It, It included the maximum amount of pain that, that could be uh, given to an individual. And again, this is uh, according to the curriculum uh, as to how we believe it worked. I know there's different theories as to how it, uh, we believed it worked, but um, you know, this one seems the most likely is that uh, there was a cross beam, right? And so that's obviously the, the, the beam that's going horizontal. Uh, you were, the person was laid on it. Uh, they were, uh, the, the long spikes were nailed. Now, uh, we often will say it was nailed through the hands, but where was it pretty much nailed through? Yeah, the wrist, right? 
Uh, what would happen if, if it was nailed, like, I guess here on my hand? Okay. I didn't think of that. That could be a possibility that you could grasp it a little bit better because you wouldn't be able to reach uh, if it was in your wrist. Um, another a theory was that was mentioned was that you know you, while you're hanging there, right, it, it could easily tear uh, through your hand. And so uh, the practice was was to you know pierce into the wrist area there on that crossbeam. Um, They've actually found, archaeologists, archaeologists have actually found uh, individuals who have been uh, crucified and they've you know, noted that, that that's where uh, the nail went. And uh, so then they were, they were lifted, the, the individual and the crossbeam, up onto the pole and, uh, and, and that's where they would, you know, that's where they would hang. That's where they would be crucified. And of course their feet would also uh, be nailed to uh, that board or that the, the, the vertical uh, pole as well. And so I know it, it talks a little bit about, you know, what did it exactly look like? Because some people think it might look more like a, um, uh, a capital letter T, right? Or some people have said, well, it was more like an X. But most likely it was um, this, this, the small letter T, like we have here in the back uh, of an example of what the cross actually look like, but um, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, Peter was crucified also. But his was upside down, or at least it is believed that's the yeah. what was the what was the purpose of crucifixion upside down as opposed to I mean neither one is good, but I mean <laughs> Well, from what I understand, Peter said that he was not, uh, with, yeah, he, he, he requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he was honorable enough to die like Jesus did. And I, I just, yeah, I, I just can't imagine how that took place. Um, but, uh, again, that's, that's history. It's not recorded uh, that that actually took place, but we, we pretty much think that that's uh, what happened. So... So Jesus is, right, Jesus is on the cross, uh, he's been crucified, and now there's this sign. Um, we're going to talk about this sign here. There's a sign above his head, and um, you take all four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you get something to the effect of it saying, this is Jesus, the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And we're also told that the word, this uh, this sentence, this phrase, was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Uh, why do you think it was written in three different languages? Yeah. Uh, have you ever shopped at Ikea before? You know, you, you, you purchase something from Ikea, like a shelf or something, and you get the instructions, and there's like eight different languages of instructions, right? They want you to understand how to put it together, right? And so a pilot wants everyone to understand who this is, why he's being crucified, right? Hebrew was the language of the Jewish faith, right? So the, the, the Jews would have understood who this was. Uh, Latin was the language of the Roman, uh, Roman law. 
and Greek was the common language spoken by all. So Pilate, again, he's covering all his bases, right? He wants everyone to understand that this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And he wants everyone to take notice, right? Because, again, that's what crucifixion's about. It's about being public. It's about, um, you know, trying to instill fear in people of not committing crimes because this is what's going to happen to you. And it's kind of, it's a little uh, comical here that the, the Jews, the chief priests, they objected to that sign, right? They said, uh, they said, we want it to say that he claimed to be king of the Jews. Not that he actually is king of the Jews, but did Pilate uh, change his mind about that? No, he said it's, it's sticking, right? You're gonna, this is the sign that's going to be uh, left. Uh, this is what's going to be uh, notified to the people. And again, the Jews, they wanted to, to say not that he was the king of the Jews, but that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. Okay, so um, Mark chapter 15, verse 25, we had just read that, but it said that he was uh, crucified at the third hour of the day. And again, I mentioned the other day that, you know, I like these time markers for us. And again, the third hour of the day um, represents to us 9 a.m. So that's, that's when this begins at 9 a.m. And just throwing this out here, I know we didn't read this, but how long is Jesus going to be on the cross? Let's, uh, let's jump to verse 33. Uh, when, when the sixth hour came, a darkness fell over the land and, until the ninth hour. So he goes up on the cross the third hour of the day, and he's going to be on the cross until the ninth hour. So how many hours was he up there on the cross? Yeah, six hours, right? So from 9 a.m. to about 3 p.m., that, that's the length of time that he's going to be uh, upon the cross. And uh, again, we mentioned that this, this uh, method of crucifixion is designed to be torturous, right? Um, it, it's, uh, now, it mentions, and you know, I never really thought about this, but it mentioned that uh, when uh, you know, you're being crucified to a cross, you know, again, you, the, hand, the wrists are being nailed, your feet are being nailed, but your vital organs aren't being touched. Right, so um, it's again, it's going to be a slow process, as somebody mentioned. Um, your vital organs aren't affected. Um, you could be up there. There have been um, research has said that there have been people who have been crucified and they've been up on the cross for days at a time. Right, and so uh, when we think about that, you know, they're going through throbbing pain, the fevers, uh, the the torture of being thirsty. Um, you know, fighting off the birds and insects and all these things. Uh, but Jesus, of course, is only going to be up there uh, for six hours, and there's a reason why, and we'll touch on that in a later class. But you know, what do you think the hardest part, the hardest part of being crucified um, physically would, would have been for a person? Breathing? Somebody said breathing? Yeah, that's probably the hardest part, isn't it? Uh, because what happens when you breathe in and out? Body your body moves. You're pushing with your knees. And, of course, your, your feet are 
uh, fastened to that as well. And so, you know, you're going to be cramping, you're going to be in pain. It's just a brutal, brutal thing. And, and that's what our Lord went through for us. Oh, yeah, that's the physical side. Go ahead, Mark. Mental anguish. Mental anguish. Yeah. I mean, you might as well play all kinds of tricks on you. I'm sorry, I'm off. Yeah. Uh, uh, God turns away from you. Right, yeah, that, that, that'll be a passage we'll get to here maybe next week or, or the following week. But um, you know, it's, we haven't even talked about the the emotional side of it, right? Uh, that all that, that Jesus is going through, be- bearing all of our sins, right? All the sins of the past, all the sins that people are going to commit in the future, all of those uh, being on this, being on Jesus at that time. And personally, yeah, I think that's harder than the physical part. I mean, just I know that it's hard. Right, yeah. But I think that would be that would be the part that would be most unbearable because when God turned from him, it was the first time he was truly separated from God. And I can't I can't imagine that. I mean our minds don't work that way. No. But I, you always said he had to go about his father's business. How long did he know that he was going to live? Did he know about it when Mary and Joseph left him in the temple? He was teaching. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting thought. Yeah. Did he know about it? Felt better before he came here. Yeah, I, I mean we know that you know early on in his ministry uh, that he, he had. He was there at the foundation of the world when everything was created started. So. Yeah. All right. I appreciate all the comments tonight. This is a good class, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess we'll pick up right there next uh, Wednesday, and we'll, uh, I guess, talk about the first three hours of, uh, again, Jesus hanging on the cross, and we'll continue on through this. I appreciate it.